Okay, so Dr. Mohammed's case, it was his premolar was a uh, let's see, two number one four, so second or first maxillary right premolar, and it had already been uh, initiated. And this was an interesting case because when we talked to him beforehand, he gave us his plan. We're expecting 87% of the time there are going to be two canals. And there were two canals already open to a number 25 KFAL. But what he was expecting was to have a really easy case. And he turned out, what happened with him, and we debrief all our uh, cases with the student for about uh, 10 to 15 minutes to talk about, we go over kind of, you know, pretty much all the benefit, all the good points and kind of the few of the struggles because the struggle is real in endo. Everyone knows that. So he talked about going in expecting a really simple case. And the problem with his case was that because it was filed to a 25, and I, no one knows what, no one knows what file to a 25 means. It could mean a 25 was taken long outside the work of the, uh, apical constriction then filed and that's exactly what happened it was almost like sawed open so yeah it was it was definitely open it was like probably sawed open um, laterally almost like a zip but um, so what we were able to do was so it, he's a really funny guy so he talked about how it took him like an hour and a half to finally get a working like and it literally did I mean because he was monkeying around small small files we just kind of let him uh, we had other a couple other cases we were watching, so uh, that became more complicated. Uh, one that a patient couldn't get numb, so we were helping her out. And so finally by access in there, monkey around, looked for the canals, found the canals getting working length, and it wasn't stable because he was trying to use like a 10 file to get stability. And you know, you've been doing this for a while. If you can't get stability with 10, you go to a 15. Can't go to 15 for a working length on your apex locator. Keep going up until something binds at the one red bar. That's what we're using. And then you move on from there. But he was trying to get stable with a 10 file and it just would not work. So what ended up happening was that after we cleaned and shaped to a 35, we went to go, we were checking our apical stop or see if we had, um, we're just gauging the apical apex of the or the apical third of the of the preparation and that bad boy the 35 slid right down so we went to a 40 and it bound at the one red bar with a 40 file when we should really be using uh, nickel titanium but you know when the staff has 10,000 different types of files to control they don't know the difference between K files or K flex file I don't even use those uh, nickel titanium files and then you're way one gold reciprocating files I mean there's all different types of files it just becomes complicated because they're not doing it all the day these uh, these corporals are uh, sorry these dental assistants are setting up for an old surgery course next to be a perio course then another course I guess on and on and on so that's why we don't keep any nickel titanium hand files around it just gets confusing so we gauged to a 40 at one wet bar, and then we opened to, uh, just did a, a balance force technique to create an apical stop at 45, reconfirmed, and then uh, clean shape to that, and put our points in, and boom, off we went. So there was a lot of learning in that for him, seeing, and this is common, you know, if you have a larger canal, larger apical constriction, you know, you're not gonna finish out at 20. You, you could, but arguably, you're gonna finish a bit bigger. So that turned out good. We didn't have time to put a post in that. 
Oh, so uh, Dr. Colby's case, Emily. He's a really interesting guy. He's a really big, like, looks like a bodybuilder. I'm not sure. He's a really nice, nice young man, 26 years old. And he's now in Alberta. And great guy. And he had a really hard time up front learning the microscope. Like, it was like, okay, we kind of, like, coaxed him, use a microscope, use a microscope on extracting his teeth, and he just refused. He uses, like, 0.8. His 0.8 magnification loops. I'm just kidding. They're, like, twos. But, I mean, kind of useless. Useless for what we're trying to achieve. But... He ended up using the microscope after he saw the value in it, but it took a, you know, it's a learning curve. It's not easy. And I applaud all these students because they use the microscope on all their patients. Every single patient had a scope down being used used on them to search for things. So his patient was a tooth number three, six. Oh yeah, he did a great job. So three, six and a one, two on the same patient. So he completed his, um, actually lateral incisor and actually, you know, there was no binding, no debris, nothing at when he cleaned his shape with a, with a medium. So he created an apical stop and we actually taught him an apical stop on a resorbed palatal canal extracted tooth. So he saw what an apical stop cre- is, what it means, especially when you have larger canals, that's the issue. Uh, so he saw how to do that. So he replicated that with a 50, so he opened it unbelievably to got an apical stop with a 50 and a lateral. Because that's the size of the the size he was given, and then filled that got a little puff. It was great, and then the same patient had this crazy uh, necrotic tooth with a circular circular sinus tract, inflamed gingiva. They had an IND. I mean, tons of stuff. So he performed the pulpectomy uh, last week, and so we had a week of antibiotics and a week of calcium hydroxide. It's unbelievable how the, the tissue healed. It was like night and day. She still had a 12 millimeter probing along the tooth, but everything else had healed. So it's really impressed. That gives us an idea that what we're doing is correct. So he finished that case. And when he learned in that, uh, when he said he learned to use a microscope, but he also learned how to confirm his working length. If he's not happy with his gutter percha points at his final fit, uh, how to confirm to make sure that his, per, per, his paper has uh, got a percha points at the right length. So he used paper points, but he also re-measured his gutta percha after he took his radiograph. And then the case turned out like amazing, really great. I think there's a couple of lateral canals there, a couple of puffs. All right, so this next patient was a uh, an emergency patient that rolled in because we had a patient that didn't show up. So it worked out really well for Dr. Smiley. Dr. Bryce, and it was a two canal, no, we got here, tooth number two, four, two canal. So, um, again, this was, uh, I think this one was pulpectomy, and we couldn't get, I don't know, I can't remember. Anyways, he taught me a great little tip using uh, the electronic uh, apex locator, and also how he uses a file in the file holder to then touch his files, rather than using the file holder itself. So that was really helpful. So this is a pretty straightforward case, this one. Um, he learned to use the existing shell of the, the DO composite as a shell to place his core. So they, they learned how to place a, a fiber post and core material, and that's that. And his second patient turned out like beautiful. Um, so it was a necrotic tooth number two six, and he troughed for MB2, he found it. Uh, we had to f- get patency back on the mesial buckle one, but other than that, it went amazing. He put the super ugly 
huge on amalgam only, which is critical, but uh, he said it looked great. We're on the fence as instructors, but otherwise, the the uh, the case looks amazing. And actually, what's really interesting is that the, the apical apical third of his palatal canal. I'm looking at it right now, looks short. But he reconfirmed, reconfirmed, reconfirmed. And I've actually been burned uh, with prepping it short. So I don't know if it's because it curves, or if there's like a lateral canal, a connecting canal in this necrotic case that's just reading PDL there. So we'll have to see if that heals or not. All right, Dr. Mohammed, his molar case. Uh, it was a tooth number 27, and we helped him out with it. In this case, actually, I did the pulpectomy last week because the patient was in excruciating pain, and this is one of those. This is a great learning experience for me. If you're going to remove decay and you blush the pulp, so there's two things you can do with decay. You can either do an indirect pulp cap, which I don't even know why they call it that, just kind of like, let's leave Carrie's place a seal over it with Vitrobond or something place of restoration would be done so there's that or you can either just start the pulpectomy or pulpotomy and get it over with because in this case and these are two cases I've seen where the the the, carry, the decay was removed all the way down to the pulp chamber and then the pulp was blushed and then they I don't know if Theracal makes a difference there's resin so it's probably junk but even putting MTA on it it's not gonna I, my idea of working is pretty low I mean I think if you do the a partial pulpotomy then you're okay but it just seems like if you leave if you leave everything intact and you blush a pulp it's just too much for that pulp to deal with so you gotta open it up or leave the decay intact and then because the tooth was irreversibly inflamed you could argue ir irreversible asymptomatic irreversible pulpitis so anyways I saw that so he was in a lot of pain so we we're gonna it's like okay well let's demo a pulpectomy uh, you know what I was going to do is I was going to demo a pulpotomy. That's what I was going to do. It turned off as a pulpotomy because I thought it was still irreversible flame. And then as we got in there, the pulp was necrotic. His response was so-so to cold. It was kind of late, late response. I'm kind of thinking, oh, gosh. So, and he has this huge distal buckle curve on this distal buckle root. And sure enough, it took me half an hour to get patency on that dam. And you could argue you don't need it to get, to battle the last apical millimeter on this tooth it just took forever i felt bad it was 6 8 10 6 8 10 and honestly i was expecting dr mohammedan to have difficulty in the mesial buccal canal but he nailed it like boom and he learned uh, where mb2 is how to trough for it and what to do do with it and um that's it uh this is uh tooth number one two we talked about that oh jangsta he had a lower right molar oh my gosh just young man so he had uh, four canals two distals and then the mesial lingual is actually the bent one in this and him and the instructor battled for days <laughs> I don't even know if they got, I don't think they got patency but it takes a 90 degree hook <clears throat> so good luck with that one so what we did learn on that whole thing was that our wave one golds are pretty darn good so it's other so Dr. Stephanie, you heard her talk on her podcast. Uh, she finished. All these X-rays are going to be on my uh, the blog. It'll be linked in the description box below, so you can take a look at the X-rays and kind of guess whose is whose. So she is our American uh, student, awesome candidate, great great personality, uh, always positive, and she had a root canal pulpectomy started already on through a gold 
Anle through a young man. A young man had a gold Anle. It's crazy. And so she learned uh, that case was ledged a little bit because it had a, a nice curve in the mesial buckle root. So she learned how to look for MB2 again. We learned how to tackle that ledge and get it, get rid of it. And then, you know, her case turned out perfect. She also learned a couple tips about how to place an amalgam easily uh, with nothing more than a post-it note and your fingers. So we're trying to, we're trying to minimize the amount of instrumentation. We're almost down to uh, just using like a pencil and an eraser. Instruments cost money. Don't need them. And if you're stuck in the woods, you got to do an amalgam. You got to use the minimum stuff. So her case turned out perfect. Uh, Mr. Troy's case, this is interesting, another interesting case, especially what I learned as an instructor is he had a uh, tooth number 2.6, uh, yeah, 2.6, through a gold crown, he prepped through a gold crown, like this guy is amazing, great personality, super laid back, uh, really in his extracted teeth made some super s small little access preps, I was like, okay, cool, if you nail it, so he made this beautiful access prep in the... 2.6 crown and I was watching through the screen so I'm like well it looks good it looks like you got all the canals and we started you know then later we started looking for MB2 and you know I'd never sat down at the skull I was just looking through the screen so the screen doesn't give you all all the details so they her and him and the instructor Reagan battled for MB1 patency like for half an hour and I'm like guys just freaking give up like it was vital. He's never seen the flame. Just you got pins in the other ones. We're close. You took an X-ray, like right there. So we bring the back patient back. We finish that case for the day. Then we did the pul all the pulpectomy. Bring the case back, and uh, Reagan's like, "Can you just take a look at the uh, MBU at the mesial buckle canal just to, for uh, patency?" I'm like, "Fine, but I'm not going to get it." So I look in, and I did this exact same problem two times before. I missed the MB1 canal. I kept my axis so damn small that I didn't see the, the other canal. Like, so I was, when I looked in, I looked at a little dark spot, which looked like calcified pulp material. So it went, took my months kind of, I was like, okay, well you probably got another canal here. And then I cleaned it out and like, oh, maybe not. But then I took my endo explorer and boom. And I went into the orifice and this makes sense because they couldn't stop the freaking bleeding the day before the hemorrhage of the pulp chamber was ridiculous all the whole prep and they were like i was just walking back and forth i don't want to get involved so uh essentially we cleaned and shaped that one and i think unfortunately he went long he obturated long i wasn't there for the obturation so he obturated a bit long uh partially sealer partially gutta percha or gutta purchase right on the money but other than that everything looks like amazing so he was great he learned a whole bunch of techniques so filled that in with an amalgam right on the money actually all right, that's, uh, okay, Dr. Colby's second case, mandibular left molar. So he had two molars, did an awesome job. I mean, he essentially, he, he walked right through it. I don't even need to talk about it. They did the right radiographs, they did all this stuff. All right, so this one is, this is the second case of Dr. Mohammed, and it turned out great. We followed the process right to a T, and I think we over-instrumented the mesial buckle by a millimeter or we lost a millimeter of length. We got the MB2 as well. He learned how to trough for MB2. He looked, learned to look for it, how to deal with it. Um, so that's the 6810, open it up, and then, I mean, there's a whole bunch of different ways of doing it. Uh, but when we went to fit the cone, the MB canal was about a millimeter long. So we cut that back, rechecked, reconfirmed, with the apex locator. And then we got a great outcome. So we'll place the final core in there and 
we were done. Yeah, it turned out like really nice. And you know, the beauty is that the pellet looks, this tooth I think was creating a maxillary sinusitis of endodontic origin. So he had taken out, he'd been prescribed antibiotics by his medical uh, doctor uh, the week before and it had cleared up everything, but he was getting a lot of phlegm and stuff through his left nostril, which it makes sense for, and a lot of pressure built up in his left sinus. So it makes a lot of sense. So that, that case turned out really well. So one of the things I also did learn is that uh, an article in the Joe just a little bit ago was talking about doing necrotic cases, which of which this was. Necrotic cases with even down to 1% sodium hypochlorite, you're going to get just a similar success as full strength. So we elected to cut it in half and go 50% because he was in there for three hours. So still lots of possibility we're going to kill the bacteria and viruses with our, with our hypo. Just there's no vital tissue. So we did that, and just in case we had a uh, hypochloric accident, uh, we kept the, everything a millimeter short just to make sure we didn't get any extrusion because we don't want that. And then looking at the radiograph, the pallet looks super short, but I've been in there, so I know that it's not short. It's right at the oh, apical constriction. So we're good. So that's it. We uh, handed out course reports and handed out some certificates, some CE. Everyone went back to their home. And that concludes this week's update. So we're back to the clinic next week with Angela. We're going to be playing the uh, the guessing game. Of course, the tagalongs there. And actually, one of the practices I work in got broke into. I'll put that in the the blog post. Uh, so I, the dentist sent me a picture of the operatory, and it's destroyed, unfortunately. So more more about that down the road. Anyways, you have a great, wonderful day or weekend or whatever. And talk to you soon. Cheers.